and parents are the authority figure, but it's tone. Mm. How you say it can make or break you. Because I can say, pick up your toys. Ooh, that's got some edge to it. Mm -hmm. But I can say, please pick up your toys. It's very different. But I don't have to say, okay. Yeah, there's no question on it. You're still telling them to do it, but you can adjust your tone to not be aggressive. Exactly. And it's going to be a little more neutral. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Lost Art of Parenting podcast. We're here to help you educate, entertain, and encourage you in all things parenting. We want to help you understand what you're doing and why so you can increase the odds of raising children who are prepared for life while enjoying your job as a parent and enjoying your children along the way. My name is Jesse Mayer and we cannot do this parenting podcast without the parenting master, the guru, the mystical, magical, I'm running out of cool words, herself, Kim Cross. Oh my gosh, what an intro. Thank you, Jesse. I have to live up to that now. Oh gosh. So, Kim, what are we talking about today? Jesse, we're talking about pet peeves. Oh my gosh, do I have some pet peeves that I could share, but I'll wait until you tell me. Um, just as uh, some general ones that I've heard people throw out before, before we get into my personal pet peeves, are things like putting the milk carton back in the fridge with just a little bit of milk left. That's really annoying. I hate that one. Uh, tailgating drivers, those guys that are right up on your bumper and you're like, you're putting me at risk. And then uh, leaving wet towels on the floor. I don't know who does that, but that sounds monstrous. Oh actually. my goodness. I actually had a kid that would do that on a wood table. It ruins the wood, yes, right? Drove that, me nuts. That's yeah. absolutely ridiculous. <laughs> well, some of my uh, pet peeves are things like um, rubbernecking. So I don't particularly love driving in general, but when I have to slow down and potentially be stuck in traffic for way longer than I need to be because people want to sit and stare at the tragic accident on the side of the road. Oh, when yeah. those people don't need you staring at them, they just need some privacy to deal with the trauma they just went through. Keep the traffic That's, moving. Yeah, it's like I got stuck in the canyon or in the gorge outside of St. George for two hours because people were slowing down to look at this horrific um, 18-wheeler destruction. And I'm like... And I didn't have AC, so I was exceptionally in a bad mood <laughs> over that. Oh, um, sad. My other biggest pet peeve is when I, I'm very meticulous about how I arrange my things, tools, etc. So my interns have found out very quickly when they don't put things back where I had them. It's and not them pretty. Out. It's not pretty because <laughs> I plan my day around the time it's going to take for me to go get something. So if I know that, oh, this camera is supposed to be sitting right here. And I come in there and the camera is not there. And then I have to go on a 15 minute journey to go find said camera. I am not the pleasant person I used to be when I walked in the yes. door. So. You have a home for everything and it lives there. Because it don't makes my, it I, like to, I like my time to be used well. And so if I have to go wandering around looking for something, it drives me up a wall, Kim. <laughs> well, those are awesome pet peeves, but we're going to focus today on actually parenting pet peeves parenting of pet mine. Of yours. Okay. Well, what are some of your parenting pet peeves? Okay. So as a parenting coach, you could imagine I probably have quite a list, right? So people come in and say, I do this. And then you're, 
eye starts twitching and you're like, why are you doing that? Yeah. So we'll get to the parenting ones because that is our topic for today. But I have a couple personal ones. Okay. Mine is when people make assumptions. Mm. That drives me insane because what they're saying is, I can read your mind. I know how you're thinking. I know you better. I know you better. And and then it becomes a fact to Mm. them. So they're telling me, not asking me. So assumptions are a bad deal with any communication in general, but assumptions drive me insane. Okay, Okay, that's mine. Um, When people react instead of respond. In other words, there's something going on and they immediately jump to a really emotional reaction or anger or some kind of intense, I call it reaction, instead Mm. of just responding. And um, a lot of times I think reactions are based on assumptions. Right. Right. They kind of go together. There's no clarification. They're just waiting to basically jump on you. Jump in. Yeah. And it just escalates and it's not good. And the other one is when people try to judge or fix something instead of just listen. I've found when, especially when I work, I mean, men, I think are very bad at this, right? We're very like problem fixing oriented in our brains and how we naturally want to progress. So I have found when I talk with my female friends and they go, oh my gosh, you won't believe what's happening at work. I always, because I've gotten caught in this before, say, (laughs) do you want me to listen or do you want me to offer suggestions to fix? Oh, Jesse, you're a single guy and right now you've got 20,000 women lining up to date you. (laughs) Because I'm telling you, that is one of the biggest things that drive us crazy. It's caught me off guard and it's most of the time I'm like, I just need to know which brain I need to be in. Because that's, it's mostly for me. I'm going to be honest. It's not about them. It's me being selfish going, well, I'm not going to think up ideas of how to fix this if they don't actually want ideas on how to to. fix it. (laughs) If I'm just supposed to be sympathetic and listening, that's a much easier process. My brain can operate a significantly lower level to yeah. anticipate that. So yeah, good for you. I try that, but I do know that's something that we as men struggle with a lot because we want to fix it. We want to get better. Yeah. Um, and in and- general, Jesse, actually all humans struggle with being empathetic. Mm. That's one thing that's really powerful we can do as people, but we don't use it enough. Absolutely. Right. So yeah. All right. So ready for my parenting? Yes. Pet we talked peeves? about personal pet peeves. Talk to me. What makes your eye twitch when it comes to parenting. <laughs> All right. I hear parents do this a lot. And it's funny because when I said, when I bring it out or point it out to them, they go, oh, I do do that. I had no idea. It's when parents end a statement with a question. So they'll say things like this. Hey, kids, I need you to settle down. Okay. They're asking a question. Mm. Um, it's time to get in the car. Okay. Um, stop whining. Okay. You're asking permission. Right. And so you're actually giving the kids a choice whether they want to do what you just said or not. Right. And parents don't realize they're doing it. And I know they want to soften it a little bit, but it's not helping. It's confusing. And now the kid's going, is this a question or a command or a statement? What do I do with this? And I guess I have an out because it's not okay. I don't want to do that. Well, and I think that really relates back to how our communication as a whole has evolved into this way where we don't want to offend anybody. So almost everything we say now, we don't say with any kind of commitment to it because then it's like, Mm -hmm. 
Well, if you say one thing, then you're now held to that phrase for the rest of your life on the internet, right? <laughs> it's like, so I think that's just a natural tendency because I, I constantly, when I was coaching MCs, when I was touring that we're going to take over or, or MC a show when I wasn't there, it was constantly that. It was like, why are you always ending with this upward inflection of like, you're asking a question, even if you're saying, how is your, or uh, you did great question mark sort of. and it's like <laughs> no don't do that because then it seems like you don't know what you're talking about so right. it creates this lack of confidence Clar or or authority even because yeah. it's like you don't want to ever feel like you don't know what's going on or what you're you're asking permission like you said right yeah and that's a and general issue in our culture now these days anyways so i agree and and parents are the authority figure but it's tone mm. how you say it can make or break you because i can say pick up your toys Ooh, that's got some edge to it. Mm -hmm. But I can say, please pick up your toys. It's very different. But I don't have to say, okay. Yeah, there's no question the on end. it. You're still <laughs> telling them to do it, but you can adjust your tone to not be aggressive. Exactly. And it's going to be a little more neutral, okay. right? Okay. What's your, what's your next peeve? Oh, my goodness. My next one is lack of accountability for follow through. When parents ask a kid to do something and then they ignore it. They okay. let it go. Drives me nuts. And you're not doing your kids any favors. So you can say, please get in the car. It's time to leave. Crickets. Nobody's moving. Nothing's happening. And the parents just go, Ugh, and they let it go. Or they repeat themselves. Please get in the car. Please get in the car. Please get in the car. You're teaching your kid to need as many reminders as you are willing to give them. And what do parents do after they've said it 48 times and they get mad? Right. So you're teaching your kids to ignore you. Yeah. You say it once and you follow through. Yeah, I've, uh, I mean, I don't have kids. So the best thing I can relate to is when I coach um, team members for my old high school team or my interns. A lot of them are younger men but, or the youth group that I participate in. Um, but I have found some of them you do have to kind of you can ask. And then if they don't move immediately, I basically give them twice. It's, I ask you once, I'll give you the, the, the sympathetic idea of maybe you weren't listening when or you I didn't said, hear me. Yes. Yeah. And then I tell you again, but that time it's a little more firm and you know, it's again, it's a tone thing and it's an expectation of, well, I asked you to get this done. Why didn't you get this done and holding them responsible versus yeah oh, that didn't get done. Well, I guess it's not a big deal or I'll just do it myself. That's what I used to do mm -hmm. is, you know, I need you to finish this. And then I show up and it's not done. And then I'm like, oh, fine, I'm just going to do it rather than, okay, well now this isn't working because you didn't finish this. So now we all have to suffer through this awkwardness of this unfinished. Yeah. And it thing. undermines your authority and now they have no accountability. So right. they quote, got away with it. I have a whole podcast on that and a yes. whole class on that. It's setting and forcing limits, but lack of accountability is, is a big one for me. Well, and, and these guys are coming to me in a work experience. So that's most of the time they're very good because their parents probably held them to account. But I've had students that I've taught dance to that I've have to repeat myself multiple times. And then I finally say, I'm not doing this again, mm -hmm. either get out on stage or you're off the team. And we see that as something that came from their parents, right? They're That's not, right. their parents are not preparing them for the real world by giving them passes on things that they need to be held accountable to. Exactly. Right? Exactly. That's why it drives me crazy so much. 
Um, my third one is when parents talk negatively either about their kids or in front of their kids to other people. Mm. It's amazing to me what sometimes parents will say in front of their kids. I've heard parents say things like, well, she never, and she, their child, is standing right next to him. They can hear them say this. Mm. Uh, he always, or my kid is lazy, messy, uh, doesn't listen to me. You're just labeling them in front of them, right? Kind of a self-fulfilling prophecy. Or, um, oh, I call this kid my smart one, or my cute one, or my stubborn one, or my hyper one, or what? fill in the blank. And I'm sitting there, my eyes are getting bigger, and I'm kind of doing the, you know, Cut finger on out. the stop. <laughs> you should never talk negatively about your kids in front of your kids, mm-hmm. or to other people. It's, yeah. it's damaging. Well, and I mean, it's like, Contrary to popular belief, but what I've heard is even when they're not quote unquote listening, they're always listening. They're always listening. And so, I mean, I even just had one of my friends the other day, he listens to a podcast, occasionally has some language in it. He just assumed his kid was never listening. He tries to not listen to it around his kid, but was like, oh, he's downstairs. It's fine. And the kid happened to sneak up on him, happened to hear that word. And then that word was repeated later that day. And he went, oh. My bad. (laughs) (laughs) Whoops. So, I mean, they're always listening. So if you're saying things, whether intentionally to them or not, they're going to hear it and how they interpret it and what they do with that can be wildly different, right? Some of it can be self-fulfilling prophecy. Some of it can be, well, I didn't, you know, now that you think that about me, then I'm never going to change because you've now basically given me permission to be that way because you're like, well, I've already assigned you that role. So why would I try to not do something different, even if yeah. I wanted to. And it impacts, obviously, self-image, self-esteem. And I've worked with a lot of clients who will say, oh, I still remember. My dad always called me this, or my mom labeled me as this. <clears throat> it's it, They never forget. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, what I'm seeing a lot through your um, pet peeves are really things that are are general parenting tips that they that people need to work through. And some people maybe didn't have this as an example, or they've fallen into these bad habits of, you know, not speaking with authority or not holding responsible um, or accountable their kids um, or following through when those, when you say, when you say something, that's Mm -hmm. the other thing too, right? It's like, oh, well, mom threatened to swap me if I didn't do this, but it's not happened yet. So I'm going to push those bounds until (laughs) something happens, right? You know, that was how it was in my house. I did it once or twice and then she finally did. And I'm like, oh, she's serious. Okay, never mind. (laughs) Just kidding. That's not a thing. (laughs) Yeah. Um, And so I think it's really important that some of these things that you may not be thinking about or things that have gotten so out of control because you've been doing them so long, there's ways to get back, right? This is not a thing that it's like, oh, I just completely... I mean, that's the thing. It's like sometimes I feel like as a parent, you can feel like, well, I screwed up on this one. I guess I'll just wait for the next one to come around oh, and let it no. run out, right? It's like I can't change anything at this point, especially as they get older. You're like, it's what's done is done. And it's like there are some things that are going to be harder to change than others depending on how long this behavior has been going on, but nothing's un redeemable, right? right? I mean, we it's learned never, that we, never too we, late. We learned that from Christ. It's like there's always a way out and, you know, there's hard work involved. Don't don't assume it's going to be an easy out, but That's right. we can always get there. Basically, you know, the longer you keep up a bad habit, the harder it is to break. But if you want to change your kid's behavior, I don't ever want to change the kid. I change how the parents react, respond, communicate and how they interact with their children. 
you you change the parenting style. You don't right. change the kid. And there are ways to change behavior without any physical or verbal abuse or harm. We we never ever condone any of that. Right. But I can teach you skills that are very very loving and very powerful. Absolutely. So, I encourage you guys to make an appointment with Kim um if you're feeling like some of these things that are her eye twitching pet peeves, maybe calling you out a little on things that you do, I would encourage you to make an appointment with her. It's like at this point, just stopping them is not necessarily going to um, change a lot of things. I mean, they won't hurt, but there's some things that you might need to work through that if you've set this precedent of, you know, having to repeat yourself multiple times in order to get your child to do anything, there's some ways to healthily get that back in line without just starting to yell and say, well, I told you once, right? <laughs> and then the kid's going like, well, but it didn't used to be this way. And now you're just really angry and all the anxiety, right? And so I encourage you to make an appointment with Kim, go to rethinkparenting.com, schedule an appointment so that she can help you work through some loving actions rather than ignoring the behavior or threatening or yelling or bribing or lecturing. Get your kids to listen that first time without repeated warnings the right way um, and encourage them. I think it's yeah. so important to work through that the right way and, and and get back on track. Make everybody happier. Absolutely. The parents less stressed and more effective. The kids are happier. Life is good. I mean, that's part of our mission statement, right? We want you to enjoy the act of parenting, not just be like, I just got to get through 18 years, just 18 years and I'm out of this, <laughs> And right? you want your kids to like you too. Yes, absolutely. So I encourage you to go to rethinkparenting.com, make an appointment, and we will see you next time here on the Lost Art of Parenting podcast.